It's great to be uh, here with you. Uh, wonderful morning to, to gather together. We're, um, we're continuing our little uh, taste, our little tease around some of our the, uh, priorities uh, for 2023. I've, uh, I, gr I grabbed this title um, as a working thing, Cultivating Connections Upward and Outward. Cultivating Connections, because uh, we're still working together as a, a, a leadership team with the staff and the, and the lead team, just trying to clarify our sort of thinking about what should make our priorities in 2023. And we knew there needed to be something in there about uh, something like this, cultivating deep and authentic connections, cultivating deep and authentic worship, cultivating deep and authentic discipleship. And so I get a chance to sort of tease you and see how we go. Hey, um, a couple of summers ago, it was, a, it was a sort of a beautiful summer's day, but not, not one of those ones that was too hot. There was a few clouds in the sky and the, the wind was blowing, but not too blowy. And, uh, and I was sitting on my balcony after uh, mowing the lawn and uh, just sort of had a shower and I just kind of chilling out there and I'm sort of just taking a stock of the, the world around me. And uh, as I sat there in the chair in the sun and just sort of chilled out, I noticed that there were those birds. What do you call those ones that are at the dump? We, we got a slaggy... What are they? Bin chickens. I couldn't think of that in my prep. I, I, I googled. What are those things? Bin chickens. They're, they're quite lovely birds, aren't they, when they're not picking away at our rubbish? But anyway, they, there, was a, there was a flock of these things. And there was like, oh, I don't know, 50 of them at least. And they're sort of up above me. And they're going around and around in a circle. And they weren't flapping their wings a lot. You know, the wind was kind of blowing. And so they're going around and around in a circle. And I watched these birds for a couple of minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, what are they doing? Like, why are they going around and around? And I continued to watch them. And after a few more minutes, it occurred to me that the birds were getting smaller. They were shrinking. And then the penny dropped. I thought, oh, they're actually using the breeze to go around and to get higher and to get higher. And I thought, oh, I wonder what they're up to. I suppose, I'm thinking to myself, oh, it must be fun, I suppose. Yeah, it'd be lovely to just be able to lock your wings in, wouldn't it? And just, I guess we all kind of dream of that. And after a few more minutes, they're getting quite small now. And then all of a sudden, something I hadn't anticipated at all, one of them decided now is the time. And it started heading towards the beach. And then all 50 of the other ones all started just in a straight line, headed straight off. And the penny dropped for me. They were going up so that they could go out. I don't know what they were doing at the beach. They probably weren't going to the beach. Probably had some other bins over there that they were looking for. Anyway, today I want to use this image of vertical upward and also horizontal outward. Because I think uh, as we think about our third priority in 2023, that's a beautiful way for us to think about it. We need to cultivate our upward relationships and so that we can cultivate our outward relationships. Um, worship and prayer, our experience with God. Often our worship of God is not simply a we thing, a me thing, is it? It's a we thing. Did we get our pictures of my birds? Sorry, Dan, I'm relying on you to sort of... So I haven't got the... No, well, the, the spiral... Anyway, we'll move on. I'll let you go. Anyway, I'm just giving it... There, there they go. See, there the bird's going up. And then 
Anyway, I'm relying on you to chase me, mate, with this uh, PowerPoint. See how you go. So our worship and prayer, our experience with God, in some ways it's a beautiful, intimate thing between me and the Lord, but so often our worship, ex- worship experience is actually meant to be a we thing. We've experienced something here this morning together that we couldn't experience by ourselves, you know, and so there are those times where we take time aside by ourselves and, and, and those times where we come together and there's something magic, there's something special about us being gathered together in his name. Discipleship, deep and authentic discipleship, our experience of doing life with each other, shaping other people and in the process being shaped ourselves. Have you ever noticed that when you uh, get, in, get involved in trying to help someone else be involved in their life, something Uh, happens inside your life as well as individuals we have a personal responsibility to walk with God don't we no one else can do that for us we have a personal responsibility to walk with God uh, and to walk alongside others both giving and receiving as a church corporately we have a responsibility to try and build pathways to help each other uh, and in this walking with God and walking with each other and so this is on our minds as a leadership what can we seek to do in 2023 that will help us to cultivate those deep and authentic connections worship and discipleship hopefully we'll put some framework around that so today a bit of a taster a bit of a teaser Um, We'll try to flesh out what we're doing. This morning, to shape our thinking about this, I wanted to read Acts chapter 16. As I was chewing this over in my preparation, I thought, Acts chapter 16, it's a fast-moving story. It gives us a couple of little glimpses into how Jesus himself began to change a city and a region as those first few Christians, namely Paul and Silas, turned up with a message from the Holy Spirit. And so this story begins with individuals. Lydia, it it moves on to a troubled and exploited slave. And then the third character that we see in it is a jailer, a powerful man, a jailer. Um, And we see the impact that the gospel and Jesus has on the individual. And then it moves into homes, into Lydia's family's home as she extends hospitality and the jailer's family uh, as he also extends uh, hospitality. And when they leave, there's a new church that's in formation. And through a letter written probably about 10 years later, just simply called Philippians, because it was to the Philippian church, we know that they became a church. And so this morning I'd like to invite Amy Tafira, who's, yeah, thanks Amy, to come up. If you could give her a hand, that would be great. Now this, uh, this story is full of stuff that's upward, and it's full of stuff that's horizontal, um, as... Uh, the gospel works itself in argy-bargy. Now, Amy, when I thought of asking you to read, read this story, it, I was just trying to find somebody who was more attractive than me to do the Bible reading. But it didn't occur to me that I actually accidentally probably chose <laughs> maybe the new viner who can relate to this story firsthand, you know, we, 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 you know um, because of the argy-bargy as you and Messman and your team and, and YOM, you, you experienced the argy-bargy near life and death situations so thank you so much for the way that you serve God and missions it's great having you guys back here and thank you for reading it to us this is Acts 16 verse 12 to 40 then we went by land to Philippi a Roman colony in the leading city in that part of Macedonia we stayed there for several days on the Sabbath day we went outside to the city gate 
to the river where we thought we would find a special place for prayer. Some women had gathered there, so we sat down and talked with them. One of the listeners was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, whose job was selling purple cloth. She worshipped God, and he opened her mind to pay attention to what Paul was saying. She and all the people in her house were baptised. Then she invited us to her home, saying, If you think I am truly a believer in the Lord, then come stay in my house. And she persuaded us to stay with her. Once while we were going to the place for prayer, a servant girl met us. She had a special spirit in her, and she earned a lot of money for her owners by telling fortunes. This girl followed Paul and us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. They are telling you how you can be saved. She kept this up for many days. This bothered Paul, so he turned and said to the spirit, By the power of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Immediately, the spirit came out. When the owners of the servant girl saw this, they knew that now they could not use her to make money. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the city rulers in the marketplace. They brought Paul and Silas to the Roman rulers and said, These men are Jews and are making trouble in our city. They are teaching things that are not right for us as Romans to do. The crowd joined the attack against them. The Roman officers tore the clothes of Paul and Silas and had them beaten with rods. Then Paul and Silas were thrown into jail and the jailer was ordered to guard them carefully. When he heard this order, he put them far inside the jail and pinned their feet down between large blocks of wood. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing songs to God as the other prisoners listened. Suddenly there was a strong earthquake that shook the foundations of the jail. Then all the doors of the jail broke open and all the prisoners were freed from their chains. The jailer woke up and saw that the jail doors were open, thinking that the prisoners had already escaped. He got his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted, don't hurt yourself. We are all here. The jailer told someone to bring a light. Then he ran inside and shaking with fear, fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them outside and said, men, what must I do to be saved? He said to them, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all the people in your house. So Paul and Silas told the message of the Lord to the jailer and all the people in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took Paul and Silas and washed their wounds. Then he and all his people were baptized immediately. After this, the jailer took Paul and Silas home and gave them food. He and his family were very happy because they now believed in God. The next morning, the Roman officers sent the police to tell the jailer, let these men go free. The jailer said to Paul, the officers have sent an order to let you go free. You can leave now. Go in peace. But Paul said to the police, they beat us in public without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. And they threw us in jail. Now they want us to make us go away quietly? No. Let them come themselves and bring us out. The police told the Roman officers what Paul said. When the officers heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were afraid. So they came and told Paul and Silas they were sorry and took them out of the jail and asked them to leave the city. So when they came out of the jail, they went to Lydia's house where they saw some of the believers and encouraged them. Then they left. <laughs> What a cracking good story, eh? 
Amy, stay here for a moment. I just want to quickly ask you another question. Um, that was great. Thank you for reading it. What a, it's a good story, isn't it? Um, this week, if you're involved in our life groups, there'll be notes to sort of for us to um, extend our thinking around this story. Now, Amy, I thought it'd be great just also to reinforce um, what was said last week. So, with you, you'd be back here in Australia. You're now uh, involved in a ministry called Prepare the Way, which, as I understand it, I'll, I'll say something and then you tell me where I got it wrong. It's really an opportunity for you to try and locate people in local churches who've got a heart for missions perhaps to support missions or or perhaps to rethink missions from the past or just got an inkling that they're kind of might be moving into missions what can people do if that resonates for them come today come talk to me at 1 30 upstairs we just get to pray with you and hear what has God put on your heart and I I just think what if today something just started as a whisper of like I think God's saying this and then many came to know the love of God so I just want to encourage you. I just think we all sometimes need encouragement and prayer. And I just am really blessed to be able to encourage you and pray for you, hopefully. <laughs> so if you want to come along, 1.30 upstairs. Brilliant. So a few missions organisations have got together and they're helping to sponsor you to come alongside people and travel with them. So even yeah. if people can't make it today, they yeah. could pick up the phone, yeah. contact you and, tra- and begin travelling. So it's a little bit of a... counselling, it's a little bit of prayer together, it's dreaming together, that sort of stuff. So how about you put your hands together for Amy, it's great to have you here. Thanks. Excellent. Well, let's, uh, let's jump back into our story again and recap things. It began with that woman called Lydia. She's often called a person of peace by commentators. She's receptive, she's hospitable, and she brings others along with her. It then moves on quite quickly um, to... A, a, a spiritual battle. There's this exploited slave girl who's troubled with demonic forces and, and then Paul uh, praying that deliverance prayer over her life, it then quickly precipitates into an earthly ruckus with the powers that be. The, the, the town leaders and the police get involved and this led Paul and Silas into this remarkable time of prayer and praise in the midst of their trouble. It wasn't an upper room. It was an inner room right in the middle of the jail because this jailer, you know, had been charged with this responsibility for these elite prisoners and he wasn't going to let them go. So it's a, it's a praise and worship time in the inner room, uh, secure so that they couldn't escape. And their earthly praise brings about heavenly power, God's intervention. And from this, households of faith are established. And this was all laying a beautiful foundation for what would become the glorious Philippian church. This church is written to by Paul um, maybe 10, possibly 15 years later. Um, and, and I just want to read a little bit from Philippians 2. We should have it up there. Uh, and so 10 or 15 years after these events that we've just read about, Paul writes this encouraging letter to the believers. And he says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine like them, like stars. Sorry, shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And that's Philippians chapter 2. Imagine being that Philippian church 10 or 15 years later when you receive these words from the patriarch of your church, the founder of your church, um, and you 
know the gospel history of your town. These words are actually full of images, if you stop and think about it, from that story that Amy read us from Acts 16. It begins by talking about salvation. Work out your salvation. That word salvation literally sort of means a rescuing. Um, rescuing. Uh, the story was full of that, wasn't it? Surely their mind went back to the images of those of, of Paul and Silas being rescued from the, the riots and the prisons. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. A deep respect for God. It seems like a deep respect and awe came, across, came upon that city of Philippi. And so surely his, his using that language is referring back to the citywide experience that they had, a divine encounter with the, uh, with the upsets, the riots, and then followed by the earthquake that meant them go, oh, I don't know what we're doing here. Let them go, let them go. And then the... Um, and then it talks about these internals without grumbling or arguing. Imagine perhaps some of those prisoners. Did you like the way the story said the, the other prisoners were listening, listening? They had a captive audience, so to speak, didn't they? And Paul and Silas are singing and worshipping God and those other prisoners are listening. And then the earthquake happens and then they all sit still. <laughs> so they're obviously overcome with awe and reverence as well. Maybe now some of those prisoners are now part of the Philippian church. And so this internals of uh, living out your life without grumbling or arguing, perhaps it, it made them remember this place of praise that Paul and Silas were still able to find after they'd been beaten by rods and dragged through the city and chained up they still were rejoicing and it finishes with this beautiful thing about them being children of God I wonder what happened to that little girl in the story maybe she's now in the church at Philippi I don't know I'm making this up but 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 children of God you know maybe she actually through the work of the church uh, through that experience She'd actually found a new family, a family that weren't trying to exploit her, but were to love her. And so he talks to them about shining bright like the sun. I love the way the sun's always there, but it's not making a noise. Shine like the sun. Bring life and bring light, but it's not, it's not also roaring at us is and, and holding on to his word. Acts 16, it's a remarkable story. It's full of spectacular things, probably beyond what we have ever experienced. It's a highlight reel, and I guess that's in part why it's in the Scriptures. But I picked this passage because I think it illustrates that there are some timeless principles here for us as we envisage what New Vine can be as a people cultivating deep and authentic connections vertically with God, cultivating deep and authentic connection with God and cultivating deep and authentic relationships with people. As we reach up to him, his spirit moves in us. And then as we reach out to others and invite them into our homes, our church, our lives, we help others in their discipleship and we actually discover our lives being enriched by others. Much of this relies on us. We act in faith and God-honouring ways and he backs us up with his spirit, moving people's heart and the external circumstances by his providence. And so this is a highlight reel from the first weeks of that ministry in Philippians, that breakthrough ministry. But what are the principles that perhaps we can take from it? 
Well, the first one I'd like to point you to is that if you do a bit of reading prior to where, where Amy started the story in Acts 16, you'll discover that this trip to the, the Philipp, Philippi city is actually a sidetrack. Paul, Paul and Silas were off going other places and God actually intervened and called them over to Philippi. And so they changed their plans. Um, they changed their plans in response to God's leading, a deep and authentic vertical relationship we can imitate that can't we we can live a life seeking God's leading what would it look like in 2023 how would we do that I guess a couple of thoughts that came to my mind was we would have a greater commitment to prayer and to praise we would just say I want to be known as a person who prays and I want to be known as a person who praises and worships God. And we'd think about that and we'd, we'd, we'd get our life changed a bit so that we had a greater involvement in that. I think the other thing for me that makes absolute perfect sense there too is that I think God's often prompting us, but we're not, we don't act on those prompts. I've got a few heads nodding at me. He prompts us with things, but we, 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 we don't listen to those promptings and act on them. Paul and Silas and the team acted on the promptings to go to Philippi and look what happened. Now, I'm not saying that our lives are going to see anything as spectacular as that. But we, if we will act on those promptings that the Holy Spirit drops in our heart, we will, just, we will see God do amazing things, simple little things in people's lives and our lives. So they get to Philippi. What did they do next? Are there some other principles we can find? Well, it seems that they went and looked for receptive people. They found some down by the river. Maybe they ask around. Maybe they listen carefully to conversations going on in the city and they found some people who were receptive. We could do that same sort of thing, couldn't we? We could look around for receptive people. In fact, I actually think what's really important for us is that we remove any sense of pressure that we as Christians are supposed to convince people who have a hard heart and are antagonistic towards God. Let me say that again. I think we need to remove from ourselves a pressure that as Christians we're supposed to convince people who have a hard heart and are antagonistic to God. Now why do I say that? I feel like I say that on pretty strong grounds because it's what Jesus modelled and it's what Jesus taught his disciples to do. When he was teaching them about reaching out and how they were to reach out, he told them to go and look for persons of peace. He also told them that when people got angry with them and, and, and attacked them, to wipe the dust from themselves and move on. Uh, I think we unnecessarily put ourselves under pressure to try and convince the unconvincible instead of looking for those that have actually got a receptive heart. So I suspect that's a principle that we can take out of that and really try to adopt as individuals and as, as a church. I think, it, I think that might start by us asking God to let us see people. Let us see people in a different way. We, uh, our life group a couple of weeks ago had a funny sort of a moment where we were reflecting on a friend of one of the members of our life group. And she was talking about how this friend seems to meet people that have deep needs and she jumps in and helps them with those needs and then she's got these incredible stories about how God gets involved and we all as a life group went, we could do that. And so we actually put a challenge out to each other two, two Thursdays ago. Okay, let's pray and let's ask that God will open our eyes to see people differently. We'll notice and, and in noticing, we kind of determine in our heart that we're going to stop and do something. 
And so last Thursday night, we all turned up and almost everybody in the group had a simple story about how that mental process had changed their week. Now, nobody had gotten saved, nobody had radically gotten healed or stuff, but we all had an uplifting story of how our human contact had, had grown through just simply asking that question. God, let us notice. Would you, would you help us to notice and then do something? And, uh, and, I, and I think for us as a church, that's got to be a part of how we, how we sort of change a bit and, and, and get better at noticing and then doing something, seeing that God has led us. He's the one that's brought us there. And of course, if you've been listening in uh, this year, you'll have heard us talk about some statistics coming through McCrindle um, that, that, that says pretty clearly from their research that about 40% of Australians... If asked to get involved in it, you know, asked to come along to church or something like that by a person that they knew well and liked, about 40% of them says, yeah, I think I might come. And so there's a real challenge here for us just opening our heart to invite people into things. And we suspect that that's, that's a part of our future uh, as we roll into next year as well. Um, a number of us a few years ago uh, did some training with an organisation called Building a Discipleship Culture. And these guys have been uh, inviting people to walk with them in a discipleship journey. And they have this little tool that they say. They say, if you want to know what a person of peace is, ask these three questions. You got your three questions ready? Do they like you? <laughs> Do they listen to you? You know, are they the sort of person that if you want to tell them something they'll actually listen to your story they're not just getting you to listen to theirs and the final one a pretty important one is are they the type of person who serves other people do they like you do they listen to you do they serve other people if you can answer yes to those three questions you've probably found a person of peace and I found that an incredibly helpful simple tool to think about do they like me do they listen to me do they serve other people? Maybe I've found a person of peace. Anyway, BDC encourages people to say, okay, when, you've, when you pray and you ask God about those three things, if you find someone like that, invite them to get together with you each week and read a small portion of the, the Bible. Okay, it's pretty simple. You go, oh, yeah, I think that's a person of peace. Hey, I was just wondering, would you be interested in getting together each week and just reading a small portion of the Bible with me? And they said that what the evidence is showing them is that people cannot ask three people without having at least one of them say yes, if you put it through that sort of category. So I think we can tend to, uh, like we've sort of shared a number of times this year, I think we can tend to have a negative view of our community because certainly there are very loud anti-Christian voices, but there is, our society is underpinned by a whole lot of other people who are probably persons of peace, who are quite interested, and our life bumps up against them. And so um, I think the second thing is we probably should be looking for some more receptive people. They go on to share their message with boldness, open hearts, and they accept hospitality. It moves into areas of spiritual warfare, of suffering, praising God out in the open. Even in the argy-bargy of that, there's breakthroughs. And this empowers ministry in homes, as we see with that jailer. So it's both upwards in this story and it's outwards. Jesus himself said, when we think about this authentic relationship with God, Jesus himself said, my house shall be a house of prayer. That's in Matthew 21, if you want to look it up. And he spoke this when he was standing in the grandiose temple, the bricks and mortar temple. 
My house will be a house of prayer. But the discerning realised that he was not actually talking about this physical temple. Uh, The bricks and mortar were his metaphor. He was not talking about a future place of worship like here at New Vine. Um, And technically speaking, New Vine, the Newcastle City Council recognised this space here as a place of worship. They also recognised it as a place of entertainment. That was what we, we gained approval for all of those years. It's a sacred sp- Yes, this is a sacred space where people can meet. It's also a community space where people can connect and enjoy each other, other's company. But when Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer, he's not talking about this space. No, when he said uh, his house would be a house of prayer, he's talking about this house. Future places of worship like your heart and mine. Um, Jesus said famously to that woman at the well, a time is coming when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It's not about this mountain or that mountain, but will worship in spirit and truth. Our house of prayer. How's your house of prayer going? If this house of prayer, if this is a house of prayer then when we all gather together, this also is going to be a house of prayer, isn't it? So as uh, we refine our thoughts for 2023 into sentences, you'll end up reading things. It's all a bit wet concrete at the moment, but we'll read things like, we want to be cultivating deeper and authentic connections, meaning this way and that way. We want to be inviting others in. We want to be hospitable, using our actual homes, life groups, our small groups like our par groups, our accountability groups. We get together and, and connect with one another. And we want, our, we want our gatherings to be vibrant, to be sticky, to be open crowds where people can come in and find their way into this community. We also want to just stop and think about some of the outward, the horizontal, the upward and the outward that we can learn from this story. I just want to go through three of the characters in the story just quickly as we finish up. Lydia. Let's think about Lydia's example for a moment. She's probably part of a small Jewish community, so small in fact that they were unable to have their own synagogue. So she probably had an open heart towards God, but she'd never heard anything about Jesus. But she does give an illustration, doesn't she, of someone who was choosing good rhythms for her life, having a place of prayer, having a place to stop. You know, for us to have this authentic relationship with God, uh, if you're anything like me, you, you know you need to get better disciplined in your own feeding on God's word, taking those down times, those Sabbath times, making those deliberate spaces to serve in mission. Stop and think about the slave girl for a little while. She's got some gifts, but they're not a blessing to her, are they? It's a demonic thing that's going on in her life and it's caused her to be used and exploited by others. She's trapped. Her story should remind us that we bump into people who desperately need to be freed from things that are oppressing them and people who are oppressing them. And, you know, things can change massively in a moment. How Paul's prayer of deliverance changed her life, didn't it? His... his, Upward work changed her outward life forever. So maybe 2023 is going to be a time of breakthrough in people's lives around us as we pray together, as we have critical conversations with them, connecting them with God and connecting them with others. I think about Paul and Silas in jail. That's an incredible uh, testimony, isn't it? 
that they maintain their prayer and their praise even through their difficulties. All of us find God's difficulties. But you know, when we're, our life is going through difficulties, we've got a captive audience. People who know us, people who see the difficulties that we're going through and the way that we navigate those difficulties can actually be very compelling, drawing others uh, into faith. And finally, the jailer. He's a man of power, man of importance, but he's terribly humbled through this set of circumstances, isn't he? He thinks for all money his life is over. He, he, he's getting ready to kill himself because killing himself is a better option than him being disciplined by the authorities for losing all of his prisoners. He's humbled. He goes through a crisis himself. But in the midst of that, uh, they, 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 they speak graciously. They get involved. In his response, he opens his house and he opens his heart. He invites others along. In this life as a follower of Jesus, uh, you will find, uh, this is a beautiful quote that Fiona shared with me the other day from something she was reading, you will find that you'll either be discipled by God's word or you'll be discipled by the world. We either let God shape us through his word or we get dragged along in our thinking and our attitudes and our behaviours by the ways of this world. If we're not swimming with him, <laughs> we're not swimming with Jesus, we're simply being dragged along by the current. Can I encourage you as we come into this Christmas season, as we begin to prepare our heart for a new year, and that's often a way for us to think about some of the stuff we want to change, how we want to juggle up our, our diary and our weekly routines. Can I encourage you to be thinking about how you can be making some, you know, some clear decisions on how you're going to live your life in this upward direction and how you're going to live your life in the outward directions? What activities can you commit to in the new year that will ensure you aren't dragged along by the things of this world? Committing into life groups, committing into par groups, committing into ministry teams. I was having a lovely chat with Mike Thorpe the other day and he said with everything that's been going on with COVID he says I need to go on another missions trip I know I'm not you know and there's this you know you've served in numbers of places and I and when you said it I thought yeah you know that that deliberate thought about God how do you want to take me into mission it might be something simple here in our community but it might be like our team over in Hohidiai at the moment going and dedicating a few weeks of your life in a short-term mission where you can contribute or it might be getting together with Amy and working out what God's going to do with you in mission in the long term so um, as we seek to uh, as we seek God in these things I think what we will find is that the upward relationship with God will actually enhance our outward relationship with others because as we pray our heart is going to be changed towards those and if we will simply in faith step out into things outwardly we'll actually find that that will also be really good for our relationship with God because serving and getting involved in people's lives will cause us to pray those prayers God would you please break through please would you show me what to do would you put your words in my mouth and our outward helps our upward and our upward helps our outward finally uh, let us remember we love him because he first loved us. When people look deeply into the eyes of Jesus, they are changed. Their future is different forever. Christian faith is really about seeing differently. It's about a revelation. It's a new way of perceiving ourselves in his reflection. It's a perception of his love. 
It's that type of perception that Paul and Silas had that even when they were chained in prison, they had that perception of his love in the troubles that the world was giving him, in the noise of all of the rattling going on that the world was speaking into their lives. Those things are silenced in the presence of Jesus. And when we look into his eyes, our lives are changed forever. He puts a song in our heart. He puts a spring in our step. We find our peace and we find our purpose in him. Isn't that what everybody's looking for? Our peace and our purpose. And uh, this is what Jesus meant when he said things like, All who come to me will find their rest, peace for their soul, a well of living water living up, um, welling up in us, a house, a house of prayer. But we do need to come to him. Um, as we were getting ready to finish our song, uh, sorry, finish our service, uh, during my preparation I came upon an old song by Third Day that really was one of those moments in my life as I heard this song, it, was, it, it, it got into my heart and I, and I dwelt on this song a bit and it was one of those moments where I feel like I saw Jesus uh, in a different way. I managed to get a video of it and so I just asked the guys to play that and, and as we do, I just invite you just to chew on some of these things that I've been talking about today and maybe, maybe in the quietness of your heart you can throw up an upward prayer that says, uh, Lord, I do trust you. Uh, Lord, I, I do ask you to, to, to show me those things that I can be stepping into in this next year. Thanks, guys.